everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. At first glance, it could seem like Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians to isolate themselves from lost people. But that's not what Jesus modeled. So what does he mean when he instructs the Thessalonians to keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness? Today, we're reading 2 Thessalonians 3, and it's important for us to resist the urge to pluck the easy verses out of the chapter and ignore the rest, as there's so much more gold in there. I mean, that interpretive challenge. What are we to make of Paul's instruction to keep away from the brothers who walk in idleness? It's kind of like this. When you were growing up and talking about things your friends were allowed to do but you weren't, your parents probably said something like, well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you? What was the point? Just because everyone else is doing something doesn't mean we should too. But unfortunately, there's this reality that we're likely to replicate or repeat the behaviors of the people we surround ourselves with. So in school growing up, this could manifest itself in ways that were clearly negative, like peer pressure to make a poor choice. Or it can manifest itself in ways that don't necessarily seem good or bad. So when I was in middle school, one kid got colored notebook paper, then suddenly more kids got colored notebook paper. And before you knew it, the whole school had thrown out white paper with blue lines, and they had pink paper, orange paper, purple. And having colored paper wasn't bad, but that that thing spread through the school. And childhood examples, they can seem silly, like colored paper, who cares? It's not a bad idea. But this principle that says proximity has power, or said differently, those who are in the closest proximity to us have great influence on us, has been true of adults and kids all throughout history, and it's biblical. So this is going to seem like a really sharp example, but hang with me because I think it'll be really helpful. So I want you to think just for a second about the Rwandan genocide between the Hutus and the Tutsis that resulted in around 600,000 unnecessary deaths. Why? Well, historians would tell you, for example, that not all Hutus wanted to kill Tutsis. And one survivor put it like this, 10% helped, 30% were forced to fight, 20 were reluctant, and 40 were willing. So what determined which group somebody would fall in? One professor found that neighborhoods and family structures, regardless of how big or how small, helped to determine if an individual would participate in violence. Proximity increases the likelihood of social interaction and influence, he said. He found that what really mattered was who was nearby. The closer you lived to what was called a mobilizing agent, somebody who planned or led attacks, and the more convicts that lived in your area, the greater the likelihood you'd participate in the violence. He looked at neighborhoods, and statistically, an individual was 4% more likely to join the genocide for every single percentage point increase in the proportion of convicted perpetrators living within a 100-meter radius of them. And then, if a family member participated, the likelihood you'd join the violence goes up to 25%. When we talk about the influence our surroundings have on us in the context of colored notebook paper— it doesn't seem like a big deal. But when it comes to sin, like murder, in the case of the Rwandan genocide, it's a huge deal. And Paul understood this. In chapter 3, verse 6, he instructed the Thessalonians to keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. 
And at first glance, this can seem confusing. Aren't we supposed to welcome sinners into our home and love the outcast? Jesus ate dinner with Zacchaeus and loved the woman caught in adultery and offered the woman at the well living water. Why would Paul instruct the Thessalonians to altogether avoid people who are stuck in idleness or said differently, lazy? Is laziness really that big of a deal? And first off, it's important that we start studying this verse with observation, as we always should with any verse, asking, what do I notice? And whenever I observe the text, I ask the who, what, when, where, and why questions. Who's speaking, being spoken to, or being spoken about? Paul's speaking to the Thessalonians about lost people? Actually, no. He says to keep away from any brother, implying that he's not talking about lost people, but believers who are being lazy, which automatically puts this verse into a different mental category. He isn't saying to avoid lazy lost people, but rather to avoid a specific group of believers, which honestly might make this even harder to understand. Aren't we all broken? Aren't we supposed to love each other? Well, when we try to answer the question, what does this verse mean, and want to interpret its meaning correctly, we always want to interpret Scripture with Scripture. What does the rest of the Bible say about this? Back in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul had urged the Thessalonians to admonish the idol. And now, in 2 Thessalonians, his instructions have changed from call them out for their idleness to stay away from the idol. Why? Well, again, what does the rest of the Bible say? Why would he change his instructions from call them out to stay away? Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins or is lazy, it's a sin, idleness, apathy, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they won't listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And that's exactly what's happening here. The Thessalonians have gone through the steps, and now it's time to treat these lazy brothers, these idle brothers, as pagans and tax collectors, as lost people. We're to love and care for lost people, but they definitely aren't members of the church. You see, Paul understood what Jesus said in Matthew 18, and I think he also understood Proverbs 13, 20, which says, He who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Proximity. Those we're closest to, those people, they have power. Sometimes it's positive, but other times it's negative. Proximity is a position of power. It's a position of influence. Lots of Thessalonians were being influenced by these lazy people, these idle people, who were actually living off of donations and refusing to work. They weren't being good stewards or representing Christ well. That kind of behavior was and is toxic. So Paul reminds the Thessalonians of what is true. Work is a good thing. He writes in verse 13, As for you, Thessalonians brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. But verse 15, do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Be loving. For us today, you might not be at the have nothing to do with him stage yet. And remember, we have at least two conversations before we get to that step. But 
it's worth evaluating who you spend the most time with. What kinds of things mark them? When it comes to the believers in your life, are they living in habitual sin? Maybe it's not laziness. Maybe it's gossip or materialism. Their story doesn't have to be like the Thessalonians. But if you want to avoid your whole community group getting sucked in, you've got to start the process by having the first conversation with love and gentleness. Or maybe you're listening to this and you're realizing you've got sin you're stuck in. The good news is God doesn't want you to stay there. Confess it to Him. Run to your community. Ask for prayer. Ask for accountability. You don't have to do it alone. And that's why I'm so glad we're all on this journey together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.